0: Welcome back to the show everybody. Today is a milestone marker for us here at Redirected. It is the 30th episode and we are celebrating it in what I hope will be some enjoyable ways for you. Um, I am actually sitting down with Sean for our second time and she's going to be interviewing me. I've gotten a lot of requests. People have liked those two solo episodes that I did on the podcast and so in this episode it's kind of Kind of special, kind of weird for me, for her to be asking me the questions. Um, but we had a lot of fun. I think you guys will enjoy it. And the second way we are celebrating this 30th episode is by announcing our partnership with Himalaya. Now, Himalaya is a fantastic company. We actually just finished the agreement last week, and uh, I joined them down in Orlando, Florida, at the Podfest Expo, where we discussed how to partner with people and. I'm partnering with Himalaya because I truly believe in their mission and that the way that they approach partnerships is different than any other company that I have worked with before. They are super concerned with um, bringing guests onto my show that really fit the mission here, which is sharing stories of how people have redirected their life and redefined their life, and they are excited to introduce my show to a whole new audience. And so I am uh, introducing them to you because... Himalaya actually has a fantastic app that you can find your podcasts on. So I know a lot of you use the Apple iTunes app. That's great. I have gotten some requests and uh, complaints, quite honestly, that um, I always link to the iTunes app and not everybody has access to that. So now Himalaya has an app for iOS and Android and having used this personally for the past month, it is the cleanest interface that I have um, experienced as far as podcasts go And I think you guys will love it as well. So if you guys download the Himalaya app, it's just like the mountain range, the Himalayas, um, H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A. And then uh, go ahead and find Redirected on that app and give me a follow. That would be fantastic. You can type in Redirected or Andrew East. um, And I would highly appreciate that. Himalaya has been good to me, and so I'm trying to uh, reciprocate that. So thank you guys so much for... um, For coming back for another episode, I'm really excited. I hope you guys enjoy today's episode where it's me and Sean just kind of shooting it up. And I hope you guys are able to learn something new about her and about me. If you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us on social media. My handle across the board is at Andrew D. East. Sean's is at Sean Johnson. So we'd love to hear from you guys and and don't be shy. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Well, I know you've been dying to do this, Sean. Yes. So thank you for sitting down with me. This is now our second time doing this. Yeah. And our 30th episode Congratulations! of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm very excited. You should be. You've listened to every single one diligently.
1: <laughs> yes. It's
0: been a fun ride.
1: I'm very proud of you.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. Today is a special episode because...
1: It's all about you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't like it when you laugh like that. It's evil laugh. (laughs) Yes. So there's a couple things that we're doing. One, I wanted to announce and celebrate the fact that we have this new partnership with Himalaya.
1: Yes, which is going to be
0: fantastic. And so, if you guys don't know about Himalaya, they are a podcast app. Fantastic, really. I download the app, and it's my favorite interface that I've dealt with yet. Um, and you guys feel free to download it and follow me on that. I'd appreciate that. Yes. The second thing is I wanted to celebrate, I wanted to celebrate the 30th episode as you should. And then I also wanted to have the audience get to know me maybe a little better because so
1: you thought it was best to have your wife interview you.
0: (laughs) I'm already regretting it.
1: (laughs) Hey, I'm a great interview.
0: Have you ever interviewed somebody?
1: I have. You've been with me.
0: Don't blow it.
1: I had to interview, I had to chase down Britney Spears at the Super Bowl and interview her, remember?
0: Oh my gosh, that was a nightmare. Yeah,
1: that was a nightmare. That
0: was back in our dating days. It was. Fun times.
1: So, Andrew. Talk to me. I need you to tell me, what have you learned about yourself after starting this podcast? Or having done this podcast thing?
0: We're just jumping right into this deep stuff, huh? Yeah. All right. I'm not going to ask you what your
1: favorite color is.
0: So here's the starting the podcast has been fantastic. I've actually dealt with a lot of self-consciousness as we've talked about. Partly because I feel like I started my podcast maybe right before, if not right at the time that everybody was starting a podcast. And so I feel like I was stereotyped for having started a podcast as one of those millennials who did that. Like literally a lot of responses I got was, oh, everybody's starting a podcast. And this actually means a lot to me. So I had to fight through that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. I also learned that there's a time to be in sprint mode in business and a time to be in marathon mode. This is applicable because we're running the Boston Marathon. So. Yes. Which we're actually doing a fun live, not a live podcast, but we're doing a like in-person, in-studio interview with scott jurek yes um but he's an ultra marathon runner he's a beast you guys will love that episode but i I launched a podcast kind of on a whim no well you hated that you really called me out on that but i felt like what i'm really good at and this is what i learned is starting something and then actually being relatively consistent after starting it so we've done 30 episodes now, and I started it a couple months ago. You've so. been
1: a boss about that. I've I, like I've been very impressed.
0: It's been a lot of work, too. It's been more than I expected, um, but I've also loved getting to reach out to people and have pretty good conversations. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I know I'm I'm rambling now. It's
1: okay. You're doing a great job. This is what
0: happens when I'm talking with Sean. Is I get nervous because you're the love of my life. Uh huh. I realized that I don't want to be one of those stereotypical podcasts. It's like all about motivation and inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's not the goal of my podcast. Although it was, what?
1: Careful with hitting the table. People are <laughs> going to hear that.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. I was, it's okay.
1: Continue. Motivation, inspiration. You don't I'm, want to I'm be that. I'm
0: hesitant to be one of those motivational podcasts. I don't, I've had to really dig deep and decide what I want my reputation to be for people who don't know me on a one-to-one basis like for people who only listen to me or watch me on youtube because i realize like i'm just not the motivational guy what i want to do is to make these people that i sit down with relatable cool people and have the audience appreciate not just everything they've accomplished but like who they are so that's my goal that's what i've learned it's a long-winded answer it's gonna be a long okay interview. okay up.
1: are you ready for me to take the reins Talk to. So, me. I have questions. <laughs> Let's but go. I doubt it's down a path that you wanted to go.
0: Let's go. I'm nervous. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're nervous, huh? Yeah. So,
1: two things from your answers of what I asked like, what have you learned about yourself? The first one the first answer you gave was you were very self conscious when you started. Yeah. Now, you graduated from Vanderbilt yeah. with an undergrad degree in civil engineering, mm-hmm. you got your MBA. You're an NFL player, mm-hmm. and yet you feel self-conscious about a podcast.
0: Yeah, why? Well, if I could be motivational to everybody out there right now, I feel like don't
1: do don't be motivational. No, you don't I'm want just, to be motivational. No, on This podcast—that
0: was the joke, babe. I'm here joke. to challenge
1: you. Take it.
0: You learn how to take a joke. I'm having fun right now. Okay, you were in a bad mood before this, and now I was. Here we are. I was self-conscious about it because I don't do podcasts. And the videos that we do on YouTube are pretty lighthearted, um, low stakes, if you will, videos. You know what I'm saying? But when I'm sitting down with somebody who I've either just met and who has accomplished a lot or who I've never really had a deep conversation with, it's... It's nerve wracking and it's hard. And I'm, 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 I wasn't when I started like comfortable doing that really, but that's what I'm proud of myself of at the end of the day is that I didn't know what I was doing, but I did it anyway. And I've learned along the way. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. Now, because I'm your wife and I know things about you that the world doesn't, the self consciousness with, within podcasting, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I want to take it back one step. You're an NFL player.
0: Are you about to blast me?
1: No, but I want the I want the world to understand who you are. Okay. You're an NFL player. Would you say that is correct?
0: I'm currently signed with the Redskins, yeah.
1: Do you consider yourself an NFL player, though?
0: Dang. I don't... That's not how I introduce myself to people. Why? So over my NFL journey, I've realized, like... I have so many other things that I love to do that I'm maybe more proud of. So I mentioned those things. Actually, I I actually tell a lot of people that I I have my own podcast. It's ridiculous as that sounds.
1: I think that's incredible. I think it's incredible for the world to hear that you are very well educated. You have your degree, multiple degrees from Vanderbilt University. You are an NFL player, but yet you don't define yourself as that. And you get more nervous to do a podcast interview, but yet more proud to interview someone you've never met. I think that's really cool.
0: Well, thanks, babe.
1: And the second question I had, well, here we go. based off of the first question I asked you, you have mentioned to me more than once that you want to work very hard not to be defined as a motivational, inspirational podcaster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I would ask you, A... Why is that? What's the deep-seated like, issue and motivation behind that? And two, then what is your goal with your podcast? Okay. And you said it was to be relatable, to make people relatable. But your legacy as a podcaster 20 years down the road, what do you want people to say they took away from your podcast?
0: I hope it's not my legacy as a podcaster. I've actually done a lot of research for how to interview people well, and I'm actually – in contact now with the guy who wrote a book called The Art of Interview because I want to know how to interview somebody. It's like it actually is an art.
1: And I think it's an art you're very good
0: at. Well, thank you. Some people listen to my podcast and they're like, well, I got nothing out of that.
1: But who why, says that?
0: Um, some of the some of the reviewers. I'm coming
1: from them. I'm coming for them.
0: Here, you go get them, babe. I will. Here's Well, so I'm 27. And I'm realizing that, like, at some point in your life, you have to sell something. Like, you have to sell yourself, really, I feel like, at some age. You're forced with that decision to do that. And we you and I, I think, in a good way and a bad way, are not good salesmen. So, I mean, you know when you, like, deal with these multi-level marketing people and, like, you just feel that inauth- inauthenticity or the disingenuousness. That was a big word. Did You just make that word up. See, that's what I'm saying. I'm not a salesman. (laughs) I can't can't be smooth. You know from us dating, I can't be smooth. I can't be the salesman. But I I just want to be the person who was born, who, who took the talents that they were born with, used them well, and then was still like a, cool, relatable dude at the end of the day.
1: Okay. I find this fascinating. And I feel like it's not being communicated in the best way yet.
0: (laughs) So I'm going to ask you a few more questions. Okay. Are you looking for me to say something? No. Okay.
1: I just want the world to understand it. Okay. What don't you like about being motivational or inspirational? What's your fear in that? Being disingenuine?
0: I mean, you see, there's so much content on social media about people who, like, say, ah, oh, wake up in the morning and decide you're going to be great today. hmm I don't...
1: There's a lot of them out there like that.
0: There's a lot. That's... And I don't relate to that. I don't... That's not how you be great in the first place. It's really not.
1: And I think that's amazing that you're saying that. Now... Since I've dated you and married you and known you for so long.
0: Bless your heart, girl. Yes. Child. Child, child.
1: I have been a witness to, you're probably one of the most social human beings I've ever met in my life. You could meet any single stranger off the road, the street, the church, wherever, and get them to tell you their entire life story just by looking at them. It's weird. You have this air about you. That makes people want to spill their life.
0: Thanks, babe. That's a really high compliment for me. Thank you.
1: (laughs) It's impressive to watch because people instantly feel a connection with you, which is a powerful skill and characteristic to, to have. Now, my question is, if you don't want to be motivational and inspirational, why do you enjoy interviewing strangers?
0: We were talking about this. We went to Podfest with with Himalaya actually, and we met a lot of new people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I was describing to Sean. Sean is not um, like extroverted like I'm that. Very
1: introverted. You don't
0: like meeting new people. And to me, it's like one of the biggest joys in life, honestly, because it's it's kind of a game for me to see a like what can I learn about this person that I've never met before. Mm-hmm. And to my I think I'm really fortunate that I don't really stereotype people Mm -hmm. well. You know, I mean, there's been situations where I needed to have stereotyped somebody as, (laughs) like, a danger to you. Yeah. And I'm not good at it. Like, I always give everybody the benefit of the doubt. And it's a beautiful thing. But I need to probably work on that. Uh, That's a conversation for another day. But it's like, okay, in this conversation that I have with you, what – I'm, like, throwing darts around trying to see what sticks. Mm-hmm. Just to kind of figure out what that person's about, mm-hmm. like, what are their, what are their drives, like, what are their ambitions, what are they, what are they hesitant to talk about, and then probably one thing I'm not sensitive about is when I find that thing, I'm really <laughs> curious why, because
1: which is good. I think that's again because you challenge people. Now,
0: that's why I like interviewing new people though, and I. But you listen to the interviews that I've done and it's, they're not like, tell me your daily routine. Some of them have been, I've been trying to learn what questions to ask, like template, but.
1: And I would challenge you not to do that. I think a very beautiful thing of your podcast is you aren't cookie cutter. You're not the motivational, inspirational. How did you get where you are? What is your daily routine? What is the mantra you live by? You ask different questions,
0: but don't the people who listen like want that? Don't they expect that type of value? That's what I've been trying to balance. Like, what is a product that sells versus what do I actually want to put out there? It's a fine balance.
1: And in my opinion, I would challenge you to say, if your goal is to not be like the ones who sell, then let your passion for the intrigue of strangers sell itself. You interview people in a well, different that's way. Well,
0: a, that's a new podcast name. The Intrigue of Strangers. <laughs> that's freaking dope. That is that's dope. dope. That's dope. <laughs> that's dope, babe.
1: Again, oh, okay. I just... Like, we've had these conversations multiple times, like, in our own home, that we aren't the cookie-cutter people. We don't like to do things by the book that just sell and make money. We like to truly push things that we're passionate about and kind of, like, push the boundaries on things. And I think you are... And I think in trying to morph yourself into that type that does sell right now isn't the way to go because that's not who you are and that's not what you're passionate about. I think you'll lose your passion for your podcast if you do that.
0: It's interesting. If you look at like my peers who are doing similar personal, like have a personal brand. I don't know how you've done it, by the way. You're a genius, like (laughs) just how you've done what you've done. I don't give you enough credit for that. Thank you. But it's hard. You're
1: very good at what you do as well.
0: If you look at, thank you. If you look at my peers, a lot of them are pushed towards the, Mm -hmm. it's hard. That's all I'll say. It's been a good journey of self-discovery.
1: Now, last question. Okay. Throughout the chain of questions that I was asking you. Okay. What is it about interviewing strangers that you feel you need to share with the world instead of just keep it to yourself?
0: What information am I trying to get out? Uh-oh, uh-oh. Just why, do you... why do I put it on podcast? Yeah. Because
1: um. you meet people every day and they're personal conversations that you find intriguing. But why did you feel the need to put those conversations on a podcast for the world to hear?
0: Honestly? Can I be honest? Yes. It was selfish, I feel like. Most of the people I've, I've interviewed are like celebrities. So it's like, if I put this out there, people will dig it. So I've, I've had the thought of maybe I should just have a conversation with strangers. Maybe. But who would, to, who would listen to it? I don't know. I would. Um, I've, I feel like, though, that the people I've sat down with and talked to are each very relatable. And we've gotten to the number now where we've sat down with like 29 people that I'm to the point where it's people I don't really know. So it's going to be difficult to figure out how to do this moving forward. But all the people I've sat down with, I've known, have been like really relatable people. So they're not that rah-rah motivational mindset. You don't know. The people that I know, the people that I've already talked to. You know what I'm saying? Which is why I've enjoyed it so much. We'll see. We'll see what it's like moving forward.
1: I think it's really cool. I think it's fascinating. An example I want to give is Nastia Lukin, Mm -hmm. one of our best friends, who's a very guarded individual, which we all are. I am as well. She trusted you with a story that she would not have trusted anyone in the world with. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it goes to show that you have a power and a characteristic to you that, is unlike anybody else and i will add that no maybe i haven't listened to every podcast and i'll admit that
0: <laughs> finally it comes out and admits it
1: but i almost feel like i don't need to because out of those 29 people that you've interviewed i've probably gotten messages from at least half of them that you don't know about that right. have said you are the greatest guy they've ever met The best interview, just a stand-up guy, the coolest dude, just all these things that are just massive compliments. And I think what you're doing is amazing, and make sure you don't change it. So I would challenge you to say going into, like, these true interviews with strangers, figure out a way to maintain it, like, what it is you're doing. I think it's cool.
0: Thanks, babe. Okay, next question. The entry of strangers coming your way.
1: Uh, I get 50% of that.
0: (laughs) It has um, been it has been discussed that this is a couple's podcast.
1: No, you know. this is your thing, baby. Thanks, babe. Maybe like every fifty, I'll come on. Okay. So, go back to when you were seven years old, eight years old, nine, ten. Mm-hmm. What was your dream in life?
0: I wanted to be an Indy race car driver. Okay. You go to the Indianapolis Five Hundred. You're from Indianapolis, so that yeah. makes sense. The Indy cars are sweet,
1: and you grew up going every year. Okay, I've,
0: I've taken you to the Indy Five Hundred, and you you know. I do know awesome. it's cool. I wanted to be an astronaut, and I wanted to be a professional football player.
1: It's not every day that you meet a former seven year old that has already accomplished his dream, so it's pretty cool.
0: I haven't. I haven't driven an Indy car though. You have. You've I haven't been, driven an indie in car. I've been in 200 anyone. miles an hour in a car.
1: Yeah, and I could have fallen asleep. It was amazing. <laughs> it was just great. Um, your podcast is all about kind of like, and it might be morphing, but as of right now, it's all about like redirection in life. Yeah. So you wanted to be an astronaut. You wanted to be an NFL player. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to be an indie car driver.
0: Yeah.
1: Fast forward to when you were a senior in high school. What did you want to be?
0: A Division One football player.
1: Again, you checked that off your list. Do people know the story of how you became a Division One football player?
0: I mentioned it in the first episode, but I want to say it again. It's, it's, I don't know how to talk about it right. I don't think I do. But it is one of the more significant moments or events in my life. You've heard me tell it a thousand times. But I wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school. One, because uh my high school team wasn't that good. Two, which plays into one, I wasn't that good. So <laughs> Careful of the Table. People can I'm hear sorry. this. It was mostly because I wasn't that talented of a player. But I did have the opportunity I to I would go. probably
1: disagree with you. You tend know, you, to you downplay all of your you talent.
0: It's on YouTube. You can watch the tape. I injuries uh high school highlights. Okay. But I had the opportunity to play at Princeton and some smaller schools. Just casual. Really. I know.
1: Just only it's only Princeton.
0: I didn't consider it Division One, though. Okay. So I, I went, I spent two summers going to all the football camps trying to get as much exposure as I could to accomplish my goal of playing Division One football. Didn't get any scholarship come signing day senior year, which is in February. So that's when, like, everybody commits to where they're going. I was bummed out, and I was going to go play Division Three with my brother, J.D., who's my best friend. But then I get a call in April from the head coach of Vanderbilt where I had gone to a summer camp. And he says, Andrew, we have a scholarship spot open for you. And I'm confused because signing day had come and gone. All the scholarship spots should have been taken up because that's just how it works. And So I said, how do you have a scholarship spot open? He says, we had a guy, Rajon Bennett, who was legitimately Vandy's best ever recruit to date, running back out of Atlanta. Fantastic guy. He was shot and killed by his mother's boyfriend. He jumped in front of his handicapped little brother and took a bullet for him and took his own life. And so that's, that's the scholarship spot we want you to take over. Such conflicting emotions... You know?
1: Absolutely.
0: I I still don't know if I've processed through it, but on the one hand, it's like I've now accomplished my biggest dream. My dad played football at Purdue. My brother and I spent literally all our efforts growing up trying to play Division One, and I was just presented with this opportunity. But on the other, how can I celebrate getting a scholarship when ultimately it was because some other dude died? Mm-hmm. That was, yeah. So I I really just tried to, in, my five years there, pay respect to the dude Rajan. If you type in John Bennett strength essay, mm-hmm. it'll rock your socks off. He wrote this like several weeks before he died, like very, very uh, close proximity to when he died. And so that's that's the story of how I ended up playing D1, and. I guess I've reconciled it in my mind as being, like, the most tangible example in my life of faith and essentially, like, what Jesus did for us. that makes sense? Mm-hmm. Where it's, like, we get to accomplish this dream because some dude lost his life. Not some dude, but you get it. Yeah, that's powerful. So that's the story.
1: So... You, by this crazy event, get to play Division One football. It's your freshman year. You're at Vanderbilt paying respects and trying to honor John. But you're playing Division One football.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What are your dreams now?
0: In that moment? In that moment. That's a great question. This is relevant because my brother, Grant, recently got a a walk on spot at Purdue to play Mm -hmm. football there. And I'm so excited for him, but he was like asking me all the ins and outs of how it works. And like, um, I found myself back in my freshman year shoes, like trying to navigate the whole thing. Um, I was just trying to fit in at the time. Honestly, I got, there's so many things that were thrown at me, you know, I mean, you went through it on the bigger scale of the Olympics well, like, you walk into big personalities and, like, the coolest people are on the cam- in the campus are there. And I'm trying to – I always took pride in my academics. So I was trying to focus on that too. My goal, A, was to graduate because my first semester I failed multiple classes. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I didn't want to get kicked out with one goal starting off. And then second, um, I wanted to – I don't know if I had any I wanted to to play as much as possible I don't know if I had a defined clearly defined goal
1: I think it is fascinating and interesting and totally normal though you said it you had the goal as a senior in high school you had this dream to be a division one football player looking back I feel like it's very like I don't know it's a very small dream and not to like belittle what it is you've done but knowing what you're capable of and what you've
0: Coming from an Olympian.
1: Oh, I shut guess. it. Wow. I would say that's a small that dream talented. too. Wow. But my point being.
0: Whoa, you just blew my mind.
1: Well, hold on. All my right. point being, you, achieve, you achieved your dream goal a year after, you know, developing this dream and as a senior in high school. It would be confusing as a freshman to walk in having accomplished your dream in life to know how to how to move forward. So how do you how do you no pun intended or pun intended redirect your dreams and how do you have the motivation of even to set a goal when it is like when you've already crossed your finish line as a freshman in college?
0: I think that's why I appreciate sports so much or athletics, organized athletics because it's always such a clear trajectory of future potential, if you will, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I made it to D1. So the next thing is start at D1. So the next thing is in football, make it to the professionals. Mm -hmm. That was like the funnel I was in. This is relevant now because I've realized how hard it is outside of athletics to really have a clearly defined series of goals that can get you like one leads to another leads to another. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. And I've done – I did the whole podcast series of when I quit football and how I struggled with that and then got picked up by the Redskins. Um, but what I did because I had that in, in athletics that clearly defined series of goals mm-hmm. was literally like I I just took whatever we were doing, whatever activity we are doing, and did that as well as I could. This is – wisdom I got from my grandpa my papa he said whatever you're doing do it with such excellence that you would be proud to sign your name to it so I was never honestly never a guy to do a bunch of extra work you know this mm-hmm. but what I do do is the work that I'm presented I just do it I try to do it as well as possible mm-hmm. I'm not saying I do do it well but like when we were in the weight room I would be the freaking guy I'm in there hooting and hollering you've lived to it with me mm-hmm. You know how annoying I am. But it's like I'm just doing whatever they present to me as hard as I can. So uh, did that answer your question? Maybe, maybe not.
1: You, you danced around it, yeah. <laughs> um, I guess another question stemming off of that is I would almost challenge, like, you and myself. When you attain these dreams, not easily, but quickly in your lifetime, I would almost challenge the world to say, I think they're just goals. And I think an overarching dream, a monumental dream you have in your life should be defined as what is it your legacy? Like what legacy do you want to leave? What is your dream in life for you, for Andrew? When you die someday, what do you want the world to remember you by?
0: This is the question you're asking me right now. That's a huge question. Yeah. I feel like, what do I want my legacy to be? Mm-hmm. I want, I want to be the guy who um, allowed people to be comfortable with who they are, mm-hmm. but not in a super serious way. I want to, I want to be like the guy who does that, like jokingly. Remember when I made fun of that waiter and that was. Uh, <laughs> That's going to sound terrible. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> <laughs> but There's context behind that. But it was like, it was a way to open them up. Yes. And, and like joking with them. Yeah, you know, Made fun with that waiter. Uh, this is, you know, <laughs> a classic.
1: You're good. Dumb
0: line I said. Uh, you
1: overanalyze yourself too much. Huh? You overanalyze yourself too
0: much. Hey, people are going to hear this. So take it easy on me.
1: You're a brilliant individual that knows how to say beautiful things, but you overanalyze what it is you're saying. Just
0: it makes it fun that way. The last part of that <laughs> would be who gave who gave. Period.
1: <laughs> that was your brother right Bada-bada. there. Bada-bada. Oh my god, guy. Yes, don't say it. That was guy to a T. Uh, that's hilarious. So, if you don't know Andrew, tell us about your family. Who do you have in your immediate family?
0: Okay, this is a question I always ask the, my interviewees. I feel like it's really important, but some people don't like the question.
1: I think that goes to show your upbringing, though. Okay,
0: all right. I'm the middle of five kids. Yes. I got older brother, Guy, who's been interviewed. JD, who's like my best friend. Forever. You need to interview JD. That'd be great. It'd
1: be an awesome interview.
0: Then it's me. Then it's my little sister, Christine, who's just a princess. She's great. And then Grant, who who I was talking, talking about. G-Baby. Cool? G-Z, that's right. He's a stud. Actually, he was the one I always got in conflict with. We always had fights. He was literally <laughs> – he set me up so many times. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And but, then you have your mom. But now we're best friends, Grandma. Yes, which is cool. you I, are, lo- I love Which that is happens.
1: awesome. He's such a, like,
0: man now, and it's weird. I don't know. He's all grown up, and we can be cool with each other. But uh, then you have your mom. My mom – What's her name? I'm a mama's boy, Marsha. Yes, you are. I never say my parents' name. You call your parents uh, Terry and Doug. I do not. You do. In
1: interviews, some people are like, tell me about your family. I'm like, my mom, Terry, and my dad, Doug.
0: I never say Marsha. That's the first time I said Marsha in a while. (laughs) I'm a mama's boy. She was always like...
1: This is very true, guys.
0: I love my mom. My dad is crazy. Dad's name? Guy. Mm -hmm. He's awesome. He's the reason, I mean... Both of them, obviously, Mm -hmm. are the reason I am who I am today. I'm super glad I got a pretty good balance of both. Because if I was like my dad, he's out of control. (laughs) In what way? Oh, I can't. There's just so many stories. I mean, the guy's a legend. He is. He's got struck by lightning like three times. (laughs) Yes. He has single-handedly carried forward this tradition of beekeeping, which I know you love. Ran an Ironman, finished it, ran the whole marathon portion of it <laughs> with, like, massive blisters on his feet. How? Because this is a classic my dad move. He's on the bike ride.
1: Oh, gosh. But the yes. day before,
0: he's on the, the training run and says, you know what? I could go faster on this bike ride if I put longer uh, crankshaft arms for my pedals. So he did that.
1: So he would have a longer, like, stroke every time he pushed. But
0: the effect was his foot got closer to the hot pavement.
1: And he was in Kona. <laughs> yeah. Right?
0: He was, a, was this one was in Florida.
1: Okay, Florida.
0: Ironman Distance, I think it's okay. unofficial. Um but he also started the the Clydesdale division of endurance. Sports. Which is what? So if you're an endurance athlete, you're way under two hundred pounds. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just do. Like you know what I'm saying? Yeah. he was
1: in, a... unless you're an East.
0: <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but he also my dad played football at Purdue and was running in the circle of other ex-football players who were now doing triathlons. So he said, you know what we need, like, I want to do these triathlons and I'm good at them for my weight. So we have to start this whole other, uh, division called Clydesdale. So he did got sued by Budweiser because the Clydesdale thing, <laughs> but he's just, he's Did done.
1: he win against Budweiser?
0: No. Wow. No, they're massive. You can't, it's, it's tough. What was that payout? What, did he pay them? Yeah. Oh, no, he just couldn't use Clydesdale. So. It,
1: but they still use it.
0: It's like a, it's not official, really. From my understanding, I, it's been like years since he was last involved. He. he
1: I've actually talked to triathletes. Who ever Clydesdale. Everybody who knows know, Clydesdale. Yeah, they call it Clydesdale. my dad did
0: it. My dad did it. Funny. Legit, he's a beast.
1: So are you technically a Clydesdale?
0: I will be a Clydesdale for this upcoming Boston Marathon. <laughs> yeah, I better, you know, I, I need to bring it back.
1: You do. So, tell me one of your favorite memories growing up that gives people listening um, an idea of your family dynamic and...
0: Alright, I already know. I already know the (laughs) story. I mean, of multiple. We we got this nice little piece of land on this lake in southern Indiana. Mm -hmm. By the way, I grew up in... Indianapolis loved Indiana. Okay. I just think it's a great spot to raise a family. Go Hoosiers! That's right. But we got this little spot on the lake, and my dad was like, "Well, we need a dock because we have to, <laughs> we have our boat. We need a we need a dock." So the options are: you build a dock or you buy a dock. Most people buy it because it's, it's yeah. easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, "We're gonna we're gonna build a dock." I got three strong boys. I was like 13 at the time. We're gonna build it together as a team, and it'll be a weekend project. Three
1: strong boys, because your youngest brother was too young. That's why. Yeah,
0: yeah, sorry. That's
1: just to clarify. Grant,
0: no offense. Um, So he said it's gonna be a weekend project. He had all the plans. Like he would always draw napkins, like the plans. And he's a (laughs) he builds homes, and is really good at it. My dad's a dreamer, but when you it's time to take that dream and and make it happen, it's maybe sometimes (laughs) not how he thought it out. So. We start building this dock and it's like let's see, it was it was probably seven sections of we're talking like ten by sixteen yeah, sections. It's a huge dock. It's huge. We start building it and it took us it took us three days to build one third of one of those sections. <laughs> so <laughs> and it was not fun, like the whole like we're building this dock on the water side during the summer because we yeah. started building it in spring and it took us like literally through that fall to finish it. And the whole time, we're watching boats and tubers and jet skis <laughs> go by. We're, the, the waves are, are like hitting and us. And your dad everywhere. is just
1: loving it.
0: No. Because, <laughs> no. I mean, my, <laughs> he always, one thing my dad does do and my mom is always keep a, like a lighthearted attitude yes. towards things. So there's definitely some stressful moments, but we got it done. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good story. Where my dad my dad used to make us do a bunch of things that sucked that ultimately I'm really glad we did. <laughs> including Eagle Scouts, including
1: running half marathons. Yeah,
0: that was my entryway to manhood. Yes. Yeah. Where as soon as you turn thirteen <laughs> I-, I didn't I didn't know this. You have to run
1: thirteen point one miles. <laughs>
0: yeah. So I got I got the Indianapolis has the mini marathon. Mm-hmm. So he woke me up the morning. Which like, is
1: around the Indianapolis 500 track.
0: It's part of the race. Mm-hmm. It's part of the race. And he says, hey, it's time to go run a marathon or a half marathon. I was like, dad, you're out of your mind. I haven't ran <laughs> half a mile ever in my life. I'm 13. <laughs> yeah. He says, nope, you're doing it. I said, no, I'm going to go hang out with my friends. He said, you don't have any friends unless you do this. <laughs> so he like blackmailed me into it. And Sounds a little hard, but he meant it in on, a loving way. I, um. We're mile three, and all of a sudden, my inner thighs are. Oh no! Dying, chafing. I came to realize that wearing my lucky boxers for the big brands, No,
1: you wore boxers. I distinctly
0: remember they were like pink Abercrombie and Finch with little green. Um, pink. No, they're pink wow. with green frogs. It's great. Wow. I had band aids on my inner thighs for months <laughs> after that, but he made me do it, and I'm glad I did.
1: I will have to say, I've never met a more athletic family when it comes to. You all can just do things on a whim and pull it off.
0: We'll survive. Like you're (laughs) yes. Like Which is not always You will
1: wake up one random day, you and your brothers will be like, Let's go bike a hundred miles And you probably haven't been on a bike for months and you'll do it. And it's just ridiculous. But it's, you. it's the east.
0: We did that one time with you. We did 30 miles and you did not like that.
1: Yeah, because you told me it was a romantic date that we are going to take a leisurely stroll <laughs> on a bike
0: I get that around the lake. I get that from my dad where you kind of soft pitch some things. Yeah. Maybe lie. Yeah, and then you <laughs> give me
1: a mountain bike yeah. and 15 miles later after five massive hill climbs, I'm pissed and I'm like, threatening to just walk and go home and you're like no it's just like right around the corner and then another 15 miles later we finally make it home i was so mad at you but
0: i know i feel like you still are
1: that was the entry into the east hood but so what is one thing you had many redirections in your life you wanted to be an astronaut an nfl player an IndyCar racer. Mm-hmm. You then wanted to be a Division One football player, which you accomplished. Mm-hmm. You still wanted to be an NFL player. You accomplished that. What's one thing your parents taught you growing up that allowed you to dream of such incredible...
0: Magnitude. Yeah. Well, I've recently realized how awesome my parents were and s- just and recently, <laughs> I feel like the appreciation grows as you get older. Um, but there was, there was like never a single thing that I threw at them that they were like, Nope, we don't have the money for, it, or no, we don't have the time for, it, or no, you're not good enough for that. It was always, my dad always got us involved in whatever he could. And the effect of that, I think was like, I can get involved in anything. You know what I'm saying? So I think what he taught me was, look, you might not be great at running half marathons, the first half marathon you do, but if you want to do half marathons, do one and then do another one and then work and then you'll get better at it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like, I feel like I was inherently, I have the perspective that with practice, I can achieve whatever goal. We're doing CrossFit right now, and uh, my goal for this year's open is to just f- be able to do all the work, like
1: mm-hmm. do all the
0: movements in a workout. And so, what you've been
1: able to do so far, muscle
0: ups or toaster to bars. Last year, I couldn't do that. This year, I've been able to.
1: I'm proud that you're actually realizing this now. Good job. I was
0: so mad this morning. I by know the way. you were. It was awful. But the the reason for that is because I've been practicing. And I didn't get discouraged as some people would have starting out. You do this. Mm -hmm. You expect to be the best as soon as you start off.
1: Well, I think society paints a picture from the time that you're a child of it's just a fault like we we fall into. But society says, okay, if you're not good at this, that's fine. But try something else. Society as a whole isn't very good at saying, if you're not good at it, just keep working and you'll figure it out. And I think something you are very good at and I think that just shows what your family did raising you is you're such an encourager when people feel discouraged by their lack of ability. And lack of ability is nothing less than just you haven't been trained to do something. And I feel like 90% of the world gets deterred because they don't have that inherent ability. And you just don't have that. And I think that's incredible because – You don't see inherent ability as a necessity to anything. You teach yourself, which is a trait that very, very few have, and it's really cool to see.
0: I've been fortunate actually not to have to teach myself, which I think is huge. And I've had, like, really – the reason I got to Vanderbilt was because a coach named Warren Beelen and I connected well in, like, a five-minute period. Um, My CrossFit coach, Joe Lynn now, has taught me, you know, CrossFit isn't a huge part of my life, but, like, I've learned from this guy.
1: I didn't mean it literally as if, like, you have to teach yourself, Uh, like, you teaching. I'm just saying if you don't have that inherent ability, like, from day one, you find someone to teach you, you figure it out, and you keep working. You're not deterred by a lack of immediate, like, ability. Nobody has immediate ability in everything in the world. And... I've never seen someone that goes after things that are so foreign to them like you do. It's really cool. Thanks, what well, You're welcome, man. I
0: think, well, that is an interesting point, what you said about society says, if you're not good at this, try something else, you'll be good at it. I feel like the effect of that is that people continue to try new things and never actually dig in and, like, commit to one thing. Because. You know I'm huge on commitment.
1: Yes. And I think that's because people will keep trying things till they find something they're just naturally good at. And once they find that, then they figure this must be what I'm supposed to do.
0: But maybe you never find it.
1: Exactly. And I think that's, that's a, a a giant flaw. And are you trying to tell me to wrap it up? No. No. <laughs> no. Um
0: I don't know. We'll get you two more questions. I feel
1: so, I, I know you so well that asking you questions is hard. Um, I would say, what was your lowest point in life and how'd you get out of it?
0: Um, gosh. This is what I love about marriage and I feel like my lowest and highest points I've done with you. Mm-hmm. Which is the best. You know? So it doesn't make, in retrospect, it doesn't make the lows that low. But getting cut, remember when I was mm-hmm. with the Chiefs in in camp in August of twenty yes. fifteen? I was a mental train wreck. Fortunately I had you. But I was like going to bed crying every night. Then I got cut. Or I, I literally couldn't look people in the eye because I was so I was so up in my own head. Like, I just thought, if I look at this coach, they'll see how weak of a man I am.
1: <laughs> Why <laughs> do you, you think ever... that is? I was... Why do you think you put such high expectation on yourself to succeed the first time you tried? I thought I was... Because it's different than anything you've ever done before.
0: Before I even started, I thought I was going to let somebody down. Like, I thought I was going to disappoint somebody.
1: Who were you afraid to let down? Actually,
0: I heard I heard the word. I heard this term. What? none. I I thought I was gonna let down my dad because he always talks about how he should have played in the NFL but decided not to. I thought I was gonna let down my brother J.D., who had or guy who had got the family really into football in the first place and J D who had like I'd always run side by side with in football. He was like the reason I was so into it. I thought I was gonna let all of them down. Even though it's like such a weird thought. I feel it's like not the, a weird I thought. feel like people experience that.
1: It's not a weird thought at all. It's natural to put weight behind your family's pride when you work so hard to earn their pride and their respect over something that you feel you've succeeded in. I I mean, I was at the Olympics wanting the pride of my mom and dad and to not let them down because of the sacrifices they made to get me there. I get that. Yeah, it's freaky. I get that. But when you're at the Chiefs, and you're having a head case, mental breakdown, and you're feeling like you could let down your parents and you could let down your family, does it ever occur to you that you are there to achieve a dream for yourself?
0: I like how you ask questions in present tense, by the way. I'm going to steal that from you. Okay. No, never. Not one time. did it occur to me that I was trying to be that for myself. This is...
1: And why do you think that is? Because I feel like, I feel like a lot in life, like I feel like the listeners get wrapped up in doing things that they started out doing for themselves and when they get far enough into it, feel like they're doing it for someone else and it wrecks you. You do that. Absolutely. But it absolutely wrecks you as an individual because you put the weight in other people's opinions and expectations of yourself rather than trusting your ability and the practice and training you've put in and the passion that it's, like, inherently there. What would you tell people if you can go back to that moment? How did you get on a path going down the wrong road?
0: I think that, um, first of all, I heard somebody use the word imposter syndrome. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think at some level, when you're going down, like when you keep getting promoted in whatever industry, you feel like you don't deserve to be there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I felt like I only made the Chiefs because I had a famous girlfriend slash fiance who, I don't know if I've ever told you that, but like, I thought that since you're from Des Moines, just right up the road from Kansas City, that the Chiefs wanted me to be on the team. You never and, told me this, but I knew it, and i wasn't I wasn't worthy enough as a performer. I also think that when I was playing football in college and in high school, it was literally just there was like no expectation for me or there's no negative consequence and then at some point, I feel like in life again, as you continue to get promoted like maybe you buy a house or maybe you have a family that there's there's stakes. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like you, you have responsibilities. <laughs> and for football, it was so much about the money in my mind of, oh, if I play, if I play three years and three games, I get vetted and I'll, I'll be getting checks the rest of my life and then I'll have made all these millions of dollars. And I lost... I lost like the original motivation of why... I, honestly, football to me was always just like, okay. I always loved the challenge of the workouts. I always loved hanging out with the dudes. You know what I'm saying? And like whatever ridiculous situations occurred, learning through those. But in the NFL, it was like we were having daily meetings about money. And it was strict. Like every day I was getting performance reports about you were this accurate. You were this slow. You were, mm-hmm. and it's like, how do you not? How do you not only focus on that? And then I got overwhelmed and fell off the the rails.
1: So, for people listening, you in that moment you're starting to put worth on yourself, and you're you're valuing yourself based off of your performance on the field. Your worth in yourself has has been has deteriorated because Mm -hmm. you're no longer thinking of of yourself as a person. You're thinking of yourself as a machine that's supposed to operate for someone else. How do you get out of it?
0: I mean, for me, I, I literally had to get cut. Literally. And then get cut five more times.
1: And what did you learn from getting cut?
0: And then realize that you know what, it's not, football is not the only career path for you, Andrew, there's other abilities that you have, other passions that you have, other things that you can do, and I I felt like I just had to do something that made me feel like I had worth in another area to help me build worth in football does that make sense yeah and I was I stuck I stayed on the couch for like three months after I got cut from the Chiefs not doing anything and not building any self worth and then I started making YouTube videos and I realized oh I have worth somebody you know whatever
1: you're capable of other things
0: yeah so I read a book called Just Do Something that was powerful (laughs) in my life it's like dude sometimes you just gotta (laughs) swing the bat (laughs) <laughs> but
1: okay last question All right, to everyone's former seven year old that had dreams of being astronauts or ballerinas or whatever that have been redirected a million times and they're probably going to be redirected another million times before the end of their life what's one piece of advice you could give them to prepare them for everything that's coming.
0: I would say just remember that it's okay. That even if you get redirected, maybe you get fired, maybe you get your your company shuts down and you can't work there anymore, it's okay. Like you, there are there's gonna be the next thing and you are capable. I would I would advise that you don't just stop in your tracks. You don't just stop progressing that you continually get involved in things, continually learn, take the next job and maybe it's a lower position, but like that's okay. And you'll get promoted because you're going to work hard. So that wasn't as profound as it, (laughs) it could have been.
1: It was great.
0: But I feel like that's been my experience is like, it's okay. I like that. Just work hard and it'll be okay. I like that. Yeah, and have fun. But thanks for doing that, babe. Yeah, how'd I do? You did really good.
1: Did I make you nervous?
0: I had fun. I felt weird not asking the questions. It was. A little I know you kept trying to
1: turn it around a couple times.
0: Thanks for taking the time to do this, guys. That was really fun, Sean. I had fun with you. If you haven't yet, um, subscribe to this channel. Do also, it, people we're, we are celebrating today. This is a special episode because we are announcing the partnership with Himalaya. Whoop, whoop. What? What? And they really fantastic team, top to bottom. I love it. I'm excited to be a part of it. And they have put together an awesome app for podcasting. And you can find my show, Redirected, with Andrew East on that. So follow me on that. It'd be highly appreciated. And um, look forward to seeing you next week. Love you, baby. Love you, baby. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you found today's interview valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you happen to listen to it. You can also share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. And please head over to my website at www.andrewdeast.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you feel free to connect with me directly on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew D East. And thank you again. We hope to see you next time on redirected.